it was super interesting to look back. Um, now that I'm closer with this family, they opened up to what they were going through uh, the day we met them. And they had actually filed for a divorce. And the gospel entering into their home was what they needed. Um, they actually didn't go through with the divorce. They are still a happy family today. Francisco's the second counselor in the branch. Uh, Rosalia, the wife, is the Relief Society president. Um, and it, it is just insane how simple promptings from the Spirit can literally change lives, but change branches, it changed my life. And I just imagine all the lives they're changing now because of these callings they have in church, because of the the love they felt um, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I just think if I hadn't, if I had gotten scared like I usually did when I saw this huge man, Francisco, and didn't shake his hand, none of this would have happened. Welcome back to another episode of Mission Moments, the podcast where we get to hear the mission stories and experience of those who have served as representatives of Jesus Christ. My name is Eva Hilton. I'm super grateful for today's guest, Provo's very own Nick Wynn. Nick, tell us about yourself. Well, um, well, I'm super stoked to be on this podcast. I've seen many of my friends come before me and absolutely crush it. So really, there's some pressure here. But uh, my name is Nick. I am 22. Wow. I grew up in Newport Beach. I am a second semester sophomore here at BYU studying mechanical engineering. Um, yeah, there's not, not much more. I love music. I love the beach. And I uh, loving life right now. Nick's the best DJ in Provo. So oh. if you're looking for a rager, you need to hit up Nick Wynn. I do love to DJ. It's a good time. <laughs> Should we say whoever gets more views on this, on yours versus Gavin's, um, I'll give him a special prize. I, I love that. I'm, I'm here to compete. So <laughs> okay, Gavin, Gavin Murray, you hear this. your missionary moment is on the line. It's on the line. Um, okay, well, Nick, start us from the beginning. Um, I feel like we haven't talked about missions in a long time. So I'm this, a lot of this is totally new for me. Um, hit us with when you served, where, just kind of the general details. Yeah, it has been a while. Um, so I started the online MTC. I was a COVID missionary December 2nd of 2020. Uh, did my online MTC for six weeks. Then right when I was supposed to go to my reassignment, Gilbert, Arizona, my parents got COVID. So I was in the house for another week and a half and didn't actually make it to my mission until January 21st. And so that's, I, that's my starting date, January 21st in Gilbert, Arizona. And I served till December 16th. That's the day I came home. Got back then. Yeah. Just last year. Yeah. 2022. Whew. Not even a year ago. I know. It's been about almost 10 months. So, Okay. So Gilbert versus which mission in Brazil? Sorry. Yeah. I, I was originally called to the Manaus, Brazil mission. Manaus, Brazil. Not many people know of that mission. It is literally smack in the middle of Brazil in the Amazon rainforest. And I was reassigned to Gilbert, Arizona, where I served there for eight months. Okay. Well, it sounds like we got lots of stories we need to cover. So maybe yes. we start with Gilbert um, training. While you were in training, how did that go for you? My training. guess is you were probably older and more experienced just in life than your trainer. Maybe not, but just like by a lot of the other missionaries who were coming out. Was that difficult or anything there? Yeah, I actually, I was trio trained. Okay. It was interesting. And I honestly loved it because I didn't know anything else. Everyone was like, oh, that's a bummer you're in a trio. But I didn't know how it was to have a single companion. 
So I absolutely loved it. I'm going to name drop some people here. It was Elder Nowatsky, Brock Nowatsky, and Elder Sill, Nathan Sill. Uh, Brock Nowatsky, he's actually a safety at University of Utah right now. No way. He's a big dog. <laughs> but um, I would say Elder Sill was super mature, and Elder Nowatsky was, I don't want to say he was less mature, but he's younger than me. And so I kind of fit right in the middle. I knew when to be serious with Elder Sill, but I still found a lot of joy. Um, relating on certain topics with Elder Nowatsky. Um, you didn't ask this, but I'll, I'll kind of dive into Arizona. Honestly, I was not the happiest about receiving a phone call that I was going to be in Gilbert, Arizona. Um, kind of let's paint the picture a little bit. Gavin Murray, he was originally called to Boise, Idaho. Carter Haight, my other good friend, was reassigned to Provo, Utah. And so I, com- right. I completed the Trinity with Gilbert, Arizona. <laughs> and so, yeah, I was just, I was not devastated, but I was not super stoked. But as time went on, that totally changed. And I have a very strong testimony that God knows us individually, what we need, when we need it, and how we need it, whether we, <laughs> whether we like it or not. Um, I... I don't know if we'll talk about this more, but I definitely went into the mission with not the strongest testimony. It was really fun growing up in the church, and that's why I was a member. Um, but it wasn't because I had a strong testimony. And well, Why don't we start there then? Like, What made you decide to serve a mission? Yeah, oh, that's great. Um, I had never heard anything bad about serving a mission. Uh, I had many friends serve missions, my parents, cousins. They all came back with the biggest smiles on their face, the greatest stories, and opportunities to get to know other countries or other areas in the United States. And so it was kind of a selfish reason, reason, actually. It was kind of for myself. It wasn't for God, for Jesus, or for others. It was, I want this cool experience, and yeah, it'll be cool to help others along the way. I love that. So there weren't, like, heavy expectations of testimony stuff, maybe when, when you were getting in? Yeah, I mean, I knew, I knew the church was good. I... I could tell people the church was true, but it was very shallow. And um, I just don't think I was ever faced with a ton of opposition uh, that put me in, like, a situation where I really needed to dig deep and rely on my testimony until I was on my mission. So, Did you feel like you recognized that, like, before you were in the field? Or that's something, like, looking back, that's something you realize? Looking back, it's definitely... Something like before I got into the field, I I didn't know exactly what to expect, but I didn't think um, I didn't think those experiences could change me as much as they have, hmm. um, and I'm very grateful for them. Kind of the mentality of like I'm gonna go, it'll be a great time. I'm gonna help out and do a lot of good. Yeah, and I I'm, might not come back very different. Yeah, I it wasn't like oh I'm not planning on changing. I'm an all in kind of person. If I'm gonna do something, I want to do it right, and I'm gonna dedicate everything to it. And so that was my idea. I'm gonna work my butt off, um, and help others and have fun while doing that. I just didn't realize what God could really do for me in return um, until I really got to the last day of my mission and looked back at it. Even looking back at it now, how what Heavenly Father and Christ want of us is nothing like physical or nothing like we can physically give to them, but it's like our will. It's like how much of us are we going to give to them? How much of our 
desire and all that. And I think it it develops as you do go in with that all-in mentality. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard to avoid it. It's hard to go all-in on something and not let it change you. So I wasn't thinking much of that, but um, I'm very grateful that that's how it, it turned out. Were there any times over two years that it was hard to be all-in? Yeah, I think the first three months of my mission, I was um, I was kind of – I was being trained, and so I felt that my only – responsibility was to follow my trainer I was kind of what is it is it walking the walk but not talking the talk yeah yeah walking the talk yeah yeah I wasn't I was just it was like a routine wake up personal study um go out follow my trainers maybe chime in on some of the lessons come home go to bed and count the days down um maybe it wasn't as fulfilling it wasn't as fulfilling at all and as time went on, I kind of realized, like, I don't think I can do this for two years. I feel, like, pretty empty. I feel like the words that I'm telling people don't really have much meaning or depth to them because I mean, do I really believe what I'm saying? And it kind of kind of brings me to a story of when it all kind of flipped for me. I had a companion. His name's Elder Nelson, Connor Nelson. He goes to, I think he goes to BYU-Idaho right now. He does go to BYU-Idaho great guy I hope he hears this but he changed my mission Um, he was a very very big example for me he uh, he's just really raw and I I would ask him questions that I already knew the answer to but I don't think I wanted to accept the answer but he would just he would put it out on blank paper and and tell it how it is. And so I remember... Like what kind of questions? Just like questions that our investigators would ask us. I'm, I'm there, I'm like thinking like, oh, how can I strengthen my own testimony as a missionary? Or like, how do I know if this is really true? And pillow talk, we'd talk about that stuff. And he'd just be like, dude, like just pick up the Book of Mormon, read about, read it, and then pray. Like it's so simple. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a slap in the face. And I remember... Oh, Connor, he was awesome. He would never put the scriptures down. He's eaten a bowl of cereal. He's got his scriptures open reading. And so I started reading during breakfast. And I maybe it was during personal study or breakfast. I was reading the war chapters in Alma, and I've never liked those. I, I've i never really understood why we need those. And I was overcome with, like, the greatest, like, feeling, spiritual feeling I've ever felt. Um and I just cannot deny that. I cannot forget it. And it was in the war chapters. Love it. <laughs> and I was like, I remember like looking at him like, dude, like I, I'm feeling the spirit so strong right now. And he kind of looked at me like, yeah, like, duh. Like I was like, he was so, it was, it was so funny. But from that day on, I, I kind of received just a little, like a little gift from God that was enough to really kick my mission off. And um, and that's honestly what I needed. I needed someone to be straight up with me, um, because really I was, I was kind of faking myself up until that point. Here I am. I have a stronger testimony. I can always be growing, but it was enough to really give me like a boost and get my mission going. Uh, and then from then I never, never looked back. It has been the greatest thing ever. So yeah. Shout out to Connor Nelson. Connor Nelson, thank you.
And this is like your third or fourth transfer? Yeah. Yeah. Third or fourth transfer. transfer. That's awesome. Um, So I think those spiritual moments are the best part of the mission. Um, Mm -hmm. And and also like experiencing those with others and like helping other people for the first time experience those. Um, When are some moments on your mission that you felt like you um, were following the spirit and doing like, were there moments where you knew that you need to be at that place at that time or talking about this topic Mm -hmm. with someone? Yeah, I think, well, the spirit is so important in every aspect of missionary work, whether you're studying, communicating with your companion, finding, teaching, literally everything. Um, and there's one there's one story I remember really well. Uh, it's actually a story in Brazil. So I'll, ra- I'll wrap up Arizona really quick and then I'll mm-hmm. get into that story. Anyway, I ended up loving my mission in Arizona. I actually, when I got the email, I was going to Brazil. I, I cried, did not want to leave. Uh, I loved the people of Arizona so much. Loved my companions. Um, and it was cool. At that point, I realized that I needed Arizona to strengthen my testimony before I even tried to gain a testimony in a different language. Like if I had gone straight to Brazil, there's no way I would have had as much joy or had as much personal success, let alone the success of others. Um, if I hadn't gone to Arizona before and, mm-hmm. and developed the basics, but, um, it was my second transfer in Brazil. I, those first couple of transfers in Brazil were very hard. Uh, I was with a companion. We were not getting along well. Um, this one day we had gotten in an argument. My companion liked to sleep in and I wanted to work. Um, it does make things tricky. Yeah, it was a really difficult day to the point where we were walking on the street, not side by side. I was walking in front of him. He's walking behind me, probably like 10 feet back. And I'm just in my head like, oh, this guy is so lame. I've got, I don't know, three weeks left. Let's just let's just power through this. And I just remembered a phrase we had in Arizona where it's like one good contact can can like make your day. And that's exactly what we needed. And so I decided, all right, we're headed home, but let's make one contact. Um, and there is this huge, um, he kind of stuck out like a sore, thr- sore thumb. His name is Francisco. Uh, he, he's African-American in a very small Brazilian village. Um, and he was like 6'9". Holy cow. Brazilians are very short. And so this guy, like we had seen him around town. I was scared of him, honestly. Um, I was in a town called Potenchins. Sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. So is it like a very big place you've seen this guy before? Yeah, we've seen him many times. It's actually an island in the Amazon River. So that's how big the Amazon River is. There's islands that have communities on them. Uh, Anyway, we see him. And if it was any other day, I would not have thought to talk to him, terrified of him. And I just get the spiritual prompting, like, reach your hand out use your broken Portuguese, like just say hi and your companion will take the rest. Like he has to, cause he's Brazilian. So I, I just, he's sitting down, even sitting down, he's like my height. And I just reach my hand out and go, hola, tudo bem. <laughs> Literally just, hi, how are you? <laughs> and he was just kind of startled. He was kind of dozing off and startled. And he was actually super interested on who we were, what we were doing and why we were there. 
And we just started talking to him, telling him about our lives, who we are, what message we have, um, and the importance of Jesus Christ, our Savior in our lives. And we asked if we could come over that night. And he said, absolutely, I'll get my family ready. We'll make you dinner. So that was that was the first blessing. They they made us dinner. And so I was like, oh, sweet. Like, if this they make us dinner, they don't get baptized, I don't care. I'm still happy. Like, we just got dinner. But uh, we went over, and it's crazy. Uh, some things happened with my companion, um, and he wasn't able to come to the lesson. Well, Keep well, yeah. We'll keep this um, just going, but uh, so it was just you. It, no, it was me and another companion. Another companion. Um, long story short, my companion got into some trouble, and that's why we were having a rough time. Um, and he actually had to go home, and it all like blew up within like eight hours. Just, just uh, stuff. But I'm sure he's doing great now. I do love him um, a lot. But I ended up going back with another companion. So they were kind of confused. Oh, who's this guy? And um, we taught the plan of salvation to him, his wife, and his two little kids. And they just ate it up. They loved it. The wife was crying. Her name's Rosalia. Um, she later became my Brazilian mama, if I ever needed anything. But Francisco, the dad, he progressed very fast. And two weeks later, he was actually baptized. Wow. And the week after that, so three weeks later, Rosalia, the mom, was baptized. She wouldn't give up coffee, but we like we worked on her for about a week, and she realized that God's will is more important than our own, um, and that gospel really can bring families together. And her kids also, uh, with time later, got baptized. And... It was super interesting to look back. Um, now that I'm closer with this family, they opened up to what they were going through uh, the day we met them. And they had actually filed for a divorce. And the gospel entering into their home was what they needed. Um, they actually didn't go through with the divorce. They are still a happy family today. Francisco's the second counselor in the branch. The Rosalia, the wife, is the Relief Society president. Um, and it, it is just insane how simple promptings from the Spirit can literally change lives, but change branches. It changed my life. And I just imagine all the lives they're changing now because of the callings they have in church, because of the, the love they felt um, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I just think if I hadn't, if I had gotten scared like I usually did when I saw this huge man, Francisco, and didn't shake his hand, none of this would have happened. Um, and that was a that was a cool learning experience in my mission for me, just to literally follow any prompting, just trust in the Lord. It could be a simple prompting like, oh, turn off the light before you leave. I've had those before, and I've turned the light off, haven't received any blessing, but I just, in my heart, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm following these promptings. So Heavenly Father will trust me with more of them. Um, so that was a long story, but yeah. Oh, so good. All it took was you saying, hi, how, how do you say that in Brazilian? To the bane. To the bane. Yeah. To the bane. And now so many lives have changed. I think that's so awesome. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also such a good example of 
One of my favorite scriptures on my mission, I think it's Alma 31, verse 5, I think. But it's basically when Alma is going to teach the Zoramites, he tells, he like tells his group of people um, or his like companions, I guess, um, like we're doing this because the word of God is more powerful than anything else. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just, you see that so much as a missionary. It's like when someone starts applying the word of God, it changes their lives. It stops them, keeps their marriage together, helps them have a happy family. It is literally more powerful than anything else. Um, and in I think the world, yeah. Anything else in the world. And I think it's so powerful to see that the gospel literally can hold families together and that you were able to see that is so cool. Mm-hmm. So Brazil, just going back to Amazon jungle, we're on an island in the middle of the Amazon River. There must yeah. have been some chaos. What were some of like crazy stuff that happened that's like only happens to you in Brazil? Uh, okay. Um, I'll, I'll do a little funny story and then I'll talk about some other things. I'll make it quick. But um, I two weeks after I'd gotten there, I, I actually broke my foot playing basketball. Oof. Uh, the Brazilians, they see a white guy. And they just will throw a basketball at you, expect you to be really good. I did not grow up playing basketball, so I totally just destroyed my ankle. Did not know any Portuguese. I was on an island with three Brazilians that didn't speak any English. Uh, We lived in fours. There was a Brazilian companionship and then me and my companion. And I was taken to the hospital, and the hospital there was terrible. I really appreciate the the hospitals we have here in the United States now, let alone Brazil, but like in the middle of the Amazon with a town that has not over 50,000 people. And it was so like a jungle hospital. It was a jungle hospital. And I'm not understanding anything. I can't explain what happened. And it's crazy because I had gone, I, I go in and I'll just, Say it straight up. They, the only treatment they gave me was a shot in my butt. Like, just for, like, pain? I, yes, I think so. And the moment, like, it was a long needle, longest needle I've ever seen. And the moment I got that, like, I just felt my leg just, like, just, like, seize up. Um, and that, that was pretty scary. And so I, I then got really sick. Um, and I think it was because of whatever they injected in me. Yeah, I think it helped my ankle, but my body was not ready for whatever that was. And so I had two to three weeks where I was in bed with a broken ankle, uh, no AC, very humid, very hot. And I wanted to go home. Um, ended up like going out one night, like kind of wobbling out to a bench outside because I couldn't sleep and just crying. And at that point, we lived behind our branch president, and he heard me crying, and he came out, and and I, I seriously was going to try and go home. I was going to email my mission president, tell him I need to get out of there, and my branch president just, just and is like, he doesn't speak English, he knows a couple words, and he just said, like, I need you. And it was, it was um, a very, like, sentimental moment for me. I had... I don't know. I was overcome with the spirit at that point, too. Um, I never felt so much love through three broken words. Um, and so that that was that was crazy. And that experience kind of was like the silver lining um, to all that pain and suffering. 
But more interesting things in Brazil, I, I ate monkey, I ate leopard, I ate... Um, Were they any good? Monkey was okay. Leopard was really chewy. Hmm. Uh, I ate capivara, which is a giant rat. Oh. I also ate a rat, like a normal rat. I ate uh, like forest hog. I ate forest duck. I ate crocodile. I ate stingray. I ate ant. They make this thing like farofa, formiga. It's like it's like made of ants. Yeah, they use like the ant butts. No way. Yeah, it's kind of spicy actually. Um. Yeah, I am probably missing some things. Oh, I ate turtle. Wow. Um, so you had a large variety of unique foods. Yeah, and it wasn't <laughs> like it wasn't like oh the missionaries are here let's make something crazy for them. It was like oh today we're eating turtle and you're just like bruh. Great. And you have to use that. <laughs> to like fuel you through your day of like walking and heat and it was crazy i i totally believe that missionaries are so protected on their missions because i i didn't get like super sick I, i only got sick when i got there and then the week before i came home but my whole mission eating all these crazy foods i was totally fine. fine yeah that's awesome um, hit us with some of your more favorite moments in Brazil more or in Arizona moments. too, if there's things that are coming there. Yeah. Um, favorite moments in Brazil. Oh, this is a cool story. Um, there's a kid named Rodrigo. I was actually in the city of Manaus, so it's a, a bigger city now. Uh, and gosh, I, I could talk forever about this kid, but I'll, I'll tell you just the, the gist of his story. I was serving in his ward, um, thought it was his ward, he's an investigator, but he's actually just going to church with his girlfriend, and um, we're teaching him, it's going really well, his girlfriend moves, and he moves with her. They don't live together, but he just wants to keep going to her ward. The girlfriend is active, but she was not super into having the missionaries teach him. And so we lost contact with him, and I and she didn't bring him back to the missionaries where she had moved into. Two weeks later, I get transferred. I get transferred into her new ward. Oh. Yeah. And so I'm, I see her. I'm like, hey, like, where's your boyfriend? Why aren't you bringing him to church? She got all embarrassed, um, told us that he wasn't enjoying it. And so I got his number, texted him, and everything she said was totally wrong. Um, not to throw anyone under the bus. She's actually the bishop's daughter. Oh, no. <laughs> so that was, you know, we joked about that. But um, got back in contact with him, progressing really well. Um, I think it was like we were ready to teach a great lesson about baptism, about covenants and the importance of them and invite him to be baptism, uh, to be baptized. And we got a phone call from him saying he doesn't want to meet with us anymore. He doesn't want anything to do with the church, and it really broke our hearts. Um, we later found out that his girlfriend cheated on him. Oh. Yeah. And we oh, we were so mad. We were so mad at this girl. And now we really had no contact with him because his girlfriend was not in contact with him. He didn't live within our boundaries. We didn't know where he lived. The only reason he came to our ward was because of his girlfriend. Um, you guys aren't going to believe this next part. I get transferred, I get transferred into his ward boundary. Oh. But I wouldn't have just found him on the street. I get transferred to the house next to him. 
next to where he lives. Like he, the missionary, the home where the missionaries lived was literally two doors down from his family. No way. And we just see him on the street, and it was like. See that like Spider-Man meme where the three Spider-Man are like playing at each yes. other? We saw him one day and we're like, no freaking way. Like, and he liked us. And so it wasn't awkward. He really just left because of the experience he had with his girlfriend. And with, with that roadblock out of the way, um, he progressed really fast. And that ward we were, the ward that he was now in was amazing. Um, probably the best ward I've ever seen. And they just totally embraced him. Um, it's funny, in, in Brazil, all the members kind of know each other. So a lot of members actually knew of his girlfriend. Oh. <laughs> and she had a reputation for doing that. And so, no, she did. So it wasn't like we they teamed up against her, but it was like they were there to support Rodrigo. They knew he was going um, And it was crazy. His parents were very Catholic, did, want, did not want him to get baptized. But he realized that it was his decision, not theirs, as a 21-year-old. And he got baptized. And it was just crazy how I think the Lord works through people, works through the Spirit, but he also works through, like, circumstances. Um, Really crazy circumstance. Probably wouldn't have gotten baptized if he hadn't broken up with his girlfriend. And then just the way I was transferred to wherever he was, Three times. Yeah, three times in a row. It was insane. It was, uh, some, like, sometimes I don't believe it, um, but it was it was seriously so special. He's someone I, I talk to weekly or daily still. Uh, great guy. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it's also such a cool example of, like, the inspiration of the mission president to transfer you to different places. Absolutely. Like, I I know I've talked to lots of missionaries who are like, oh, yeah, I'm here. Like, dang it. This is the worst place. Why would he choose me to be here? But there for sure is revelation in the areas that people go. Mm-hmm. Like, I have no doubt about that, which is way cool. Dang. Dang, that's awesome. What was his name? Rodrigo. Rodrigo. Yeah. Rodrigo. He is a great guy. And we, I was in that area for a bit, so we even progressed. We brought him to the temple um, to do baptisms, and it was just really cool. Um, and I had no fear in, in leaving him with the ward. Uh, he really made that bridge well. So it was, awesome. it was awesome. That's awesome. I think it's also an example of why we need to be careful what we do because no matter no matter what we do or who we think we're representing, we represent the church just as we're part of the church. And if we go out and cheat, it's yeah. not sending a good message. No, absolutely. I think <laughs> uh, a lot of people outside of the church, they base their relationship with the church with those they know and not necessarily with Jesus Christ who's the center. And it's not their fault. Um, because they don't know yet. But the moment Rodrigo kind of learned that, no, like, the church is perfect, just the members aren't, uh, is when he really dove in for himself. And uh, that's how he progressed. But to get to that point, he needed to overcome that uh, that kind of roadblock. And so, yeah, it would be terrible if we were that roadblock for someone else. So we yeah. definitely got to watch our actions. It's true. Well, I have like some concluding questions about like serving a mission and looking back. But before we get to those, are there any other stories that you want to share or talk about? Um, I'll, I'll just there's one story. It's not it's something spiritual. I think actually it is uh, the importance of being obedient on your mission. Um, it was my last transfer. I was on top of the world. 
thought I could do anything. Not actually, but I was getting a little lackadaisical with the with the rules, and we were playing soccer um, past nine, past nine thirty, past ten. We were playing soccer at the church with the members, and I was just the idea. I need to soak in all my member time before I leave. And obviously there are non-members there too, but we ended up walking home around 10.30 uh, in an area called Tabachinga. Um, and if you guys have seen that that movie that recently came out, um, it's about the... the Sound this, of Freedom? Yeah, Sound of Freedom. Tabachinga is actually a town that's mentioned. It's uh, It tried borders with Peru and Colombia. And so the Colombia side is Lachicia. Um, Brazil is... Tabachinga, and then there's another city. So it's a dangerous place. Very dangerous, lots of drug trafficking, and really in that area you should be home by sundown. And we were walking home. Um, we are actually walking a little girl home before we even went home because we were nervous for her. And there's a gang there called the Kriya. They, it's it's very interesting. I'll, I'll try to explain it the best I can. Um but they will go after and kill people that do petty theft. So like stealing someone's cell phone um, or like beating a woman is not petty theft, but like beating a woman, anything to get the police's radar going. Uh, Brazil funds their police departments based on the statistics of crime throughout each city. And so this, this drug trafficking group wanted to lower the crime rate so that Brazil couldn't fund the police within that city. So they go, they go and beat up the criminals. Exactly. Interesting. Okay. And it's really, it's really interesting. They, they actually will send out a list each week of who they're gonna kill. No way. It was insane. And I think my first week I was there, and I don't want to scare anyone away from a mission. This is not normal. But there were twelve people were killed. And Just e- in that city. In that city, and it was small. It was smaller than Potenchins, probably around forty. 50,000 people. Holy cow. Um, and they just send out this list saying these guys are done. They would send out a list each Holy week. Holy cow. Um, and you could literally report someone and they wouldn't need evidence. They'd be like, oh, he stole your phone? All right, he's on the list. Wow. People would try and run away to Peru and they'd actually go into Peru and, and get him. Anyway, very dangerous area. And we were, so we decided to walk on the main road where there is sort of light. The main road also has a lot of bars, but we were on the other side of the street. Um, and this motorcycle, it's me and my companion and this girl, Grazielli, um, who has a really hard life. Um, anyway, we're walking her home, and we're walking in front of this bar, and this motorcycle comes by and just fires, like, six shots into the bar. Just on the other side of the street of you. Like, right by, like, right next to us, but shooting the other way. No way. Into the bar. Um... It was like an open bar, and two people actually died from that. But the problem was is people in the bar started shooting at these mo- at the motorcycle, and we were right behind the motorcycle. And so it was like four or five shots. It was like boom, boom, and then one like had a whistle. Like right, it was right so close. It was like pew, like so close to us, and it was, it was terrifying. And I just I felt so stupid in that moment. How I wasn't obeying the mission rules, how I put my companion, how I put Grazielli in danger. Um, we we like waved a taxi and 
I told I had to pay so much for a taxi. They're so expensive there. But I was like, there's no way we're still walking. Like we're getting home and and we're learning from this. Um, and so yeah, it is so important to be obedient on your mission. Uh, the spirit is with you more when you are obedient, and you will find more success and happiness when you're obedient. So that was kind of my scare story. I haven't. Holy, that's a scare story. Yeah, I haven't mentioned it all to my mom, but <laughs> she knows there was shots fired. But that's about it. I better send this to Janine then. Yeah, I'm yeah, no. Get her to listen. <laughs> um, yeah, but that I can't really. There is so I could. It, when I when I asked Levi about this, he's like, "Oh, they're usually twenty minutes to an hour." I'm like, "Holy cow! How could you talk like?" for 20 minutes about your oh, mission. Oh, it goes so fast. We're at 29 minutes. I could do another two hours. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But for the sake of you guys, I'll I'll let Levi um, kind of guide us. Um, so kind of just for towards the concluding question. Yeah, yeah. You like to have fun. Love it. Nick has fun. Can you have fun as a missionary? Or is it all stiff, no fun, straight-faced people? Absolutely. I had never been so happy than when I was on my mission. And I am being 100% with you guys. I am so happy right now. I'm at BYU. I have great friends. I have a beautiful girlfriend, Eliza Trimble. Who served uh, with me. Who served with <laughs> Levi. So Levi, Levi kind of prepared her for, <laughs> for now. But um, no, all jokes aside, I am so happy right now. Um, but I know I was happier on my mission. And I'm not saying that as in like, oh, after the mission, life sucks. It's just the type of happiness you have on the mission comes from serving others daily. And you can't replace that with anything else. I think it's like, we were talking about this the other day, me and my roommate, but um, joy. It's like, it's just joyful on mm-hmm. the mission. Yeah. And just because it's so meaningful and so deep and some of that starts to go away when yeah. you're doing other stuff that doesn't bring necessarily joy. You can have fun and it's like happy, but it's not as much. Yeah. I've actually, you know. I've, I've heard a lot. Not heard a lot, but I remember, I think it was in Sunday school, we talked about the difference between happiness and joy and how happiness is kind of short term where joy is is long term, yeah. eternal. And you definitely have the most joy on, on your mission. Yeah. Um, you're constantly serving the Lord, representing Jesus Christ, uh, and helping others come unto him. There's nothing better. Uh, yeah, it's hard, but I think we appreciate things a lot more when when there is a little bit of sacrifice. What would you say to people listening who are thinking about serving a mission but aren't sure? I think it's been said a million times, but I would definitely serve a mission. There is a there's a scripture I really like um, in Romans 5, 3 through 5, and it says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulations worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And I think all of those things it just mentioned, like tribulations, uh, experience, gaining patience, gaining hope, those are all really quickly developed on the mission. Um and I think that is a huge, all of those things are, are big, important parts of our lives. Um, just being able to look at a tribulation and, and think it's going to be okay, I'm actually going to become a better person because of it, is huge. Um, life isn't easy, but if you can actually get stuff out of the trials we face, um, 
you're going to be very, very well off. And I, I really like the phrase, like, sometimes the reason you go on the mission isn't the reason you stay. I mean, I went out on my mission for myself, um, but I stayed on the mission because of the people I was around and the love I felt from them and the love I was able to provide them. And so don't feel there's no bad reason to go on a mission. Um, if you really are all in, Heavenly Father will will shape you into who you need to become. And don't focus on changing. Uh, you're called to serve a mission for who you are. Um, and Heavenly Father will guide you. But there are so many lives out there that need this gospel. And it would be kind of selfish for us not to go and share it with others. Just think of all the happiness, enjoy your family, those you love, your friends, uh, that you felt through this gospel and how there are people out there that don't have that. There are people out there that have way harder lives than us, and, and this gospel is the only thing that could help them, and you could be that person to bring it to them. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. If you have the opportunity, I would 100% serve a mission. Um, it's, it's literally the best thing ever. It is so fun. I can't agree more. Um, Nick, just in conclusion, how did your mission change your testimony of Jesus Christ? My mission definitely strengthened my testimony of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, there were so many times where people would come to me with their problems. And at the beginning of the mission, I felt like I needed to um, help them, like physically help them with their problems or feel like I needed to be the one that could talk them through this and comfort them. But I came to realize that that's not my job. That is our Savior Jesus Christ's job, and he can do that job a billion times better than I can. And the moment I realized that I don't need to personally do that but really show them a way how they can feel comfort through our Savior Jesus Christ was when we, we saw success. Uh, it was when people's hearts were opened. Um, and seeing other people's lives change uh, because of Jesus Christ really strengthened my testimony that he is our Savior. He's the Son of God. He died for us. His atonement is so real. Um, his atonement allowed so many people that I met on, on my mission to turn their lives around. And there's, there's nothing else in the world that can, that can let someone do that um, or give people the, the feeling of hope after something crazy has happened in their life. Um, and so if you want to come to know your Savior Jesus Christ better, um, represent him, teach others about him, and come to know him on your own. Um, and all that is done by, by serving a mission. <laughs> I love it. Nick, thanks so much for coming on. Such a pleasure to hear all your experiences and stories, and I know everyone's going to love it. No, I appreciate it. Um, grateful that you're doing this. I think we need to talk about our missions more, honestly. I, I really feel the spirit right now. It's nice. It's good.